there. Welcome back to the Eye on the Tigers podcast. I'm Dave Matter, Mizzou beat writer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and stltoday.com. Joined today by Ben Fredrickson, who is in the podcast studio downtown St. Louis at the Post-Dispatch newsroom. Uh, it's a good reminder that I, I do not believe I have stepped foot in the newsroom since it moved a few years ago, Ben. So give everyone my best uh, today and tell them I, I miss them all. They'll probably tell you to come pick up your mail, Dave, because <laughs> you've got a box in here that is, uh, I wouldn't call it uh, towering, but it is certainly uh, full. So Any trophies bring, I should or probably, awards? Why don't Any I grab it? I'll, I'll bring okay. it to you uh, this weekend when Missouri plays Kentucky. I'll, of course, I'll walk out of this room and immediately forget. Did I, uh, anything Did I get any, like, I any A goods? couple past due bills, um, okay. maybe some uh, some awards of, of great mail? import. Yeah, I'm sure I'm, I'll test everything for uh, for for suspicious powders before I uh, bring it to you. Make sure there's no like uh, attempts on your life. But uh, I will. Uh, yeah, I'll sort through it. I'll see. I'll shake them and see if there's any checks in any of them before I before I deliver. But uh, I used to get I'll try to bring those Saturday. I used to get handwritten letters when I worked in Columbia at the Columbia paper. And I, I got one from a prisoner once um, sent it from the state penitentiary. He's a big fan, big fan of Mizzou and. Mizzou sports and somehow I was able to get my uh get my writing so uh I still have that one I'm sure he's listening to the podcast shout out to oh, him yeah. yeah hopefully he's out by now that was a long time ago so you never know all right we've got we've got football and basketball to talk about it's November which means it's overlap season in college sports and if you cover college sports you are uh you're trying to find some time to sleep right now because you've got football, you've got basketball. Later on this month, Missouri's got a week, uh, Thanksgiving week, where they play a Friday football game against Arkansas and have three basketball games that week. So it is uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, let, let's talk football first, though. We'll get to basketball. It is kind of a it's an exciting time for Mizzou basketball because Dennis Gates and all these new players, the games themselves probably aren't going to be a whole lot of, of excitement, at least the first seven or so. But football does have a very important game, very exciting game. If you love defense, uh, it's this is your game. Missouri, Kentucky, 11 a.m. Saturday, SEC Network. Um, Kentucky's pretty much owned this series of late. They've won six of seven, but uh, last time they came to Columbia, they lost, and it was a defensive slugfest. And this game, this matchup, sure looks like it's going to be the same kind of game. Two teams that are much better on the defensive side. And, uh, you know, Kentucky has good offensive players, but they do not have a good offensive line and they have struggled to score points lately. So just kind of first thoughts, Ben, what do you think about this matchup? Where do you think Missouri is right now? They've won two in a row. They beat Vanderbilt, beat South Carolina, and they're back to 500. Yeah, Missouri's working on a positive, potentially positive season-ending narrative, Dave. You had the the awful game. At Kansas State, you had some close, tough losses that followed. You have the learned how to win game against Vanderbilt homecoming, and and people kind of roll their eyes at that. But when you follow that up with a game like that at South Carolina, which was probably their most complete, impressive game of the year, both sides of the ball on the road against a top twenty-five. I'm using that kind of an air quotes team yeah. in South Carolina. Um, that's that's a real sign of of potential progress there. So keep building on that, you know, keep avoiding those just really obvious, painful, self-inflicted penalties and turnovers. Keep riding this defense, which is getting better and better, it seems, as the season goes along. 
and that should be enough to win them some games down the stretch here. Kentucky is beatable. Now, they're going to be tough, and they're not going to give you the game, but they're not as dangerous and dynamic as they have been sometimes in the past. They've got some real flaws. You mentioned that offensive line. And really every team left for Missouri is beatable if Missouri plays well, except for Tennessee. I don't think anybody right. – is going to be, I don't think Missouri is going to beat Tennessee, but New Mexico, that's, a, that's got to be a win. New Mexico state, um, you know, Arkansas is going to play three ranked opponents before, before coming to Missouri at the end of the year um, here and here's Kentucky with, with kind of a season that has been, it's been okay, but it hasn't lived up to their expectations. Their offensive line's a real problem. They they've gotten, you know, not as good a play for the, as they hoped for from Will Levis, who kind of entered this season at quarterback as a, kind of a, a hyped up NFL draft type guy and hasn't really delivered on that. So, you know, they've got a really good running back in, in Rodriguez. Um, they've got, they're well coached, but uh, they, they're, this is not a Kentucky team that has been, you know, the one that pummeled Iowa in, in a bowl game. This is a Kentucky team that's a little more vulnerable than what we've seen. And Missouri should have a good crowd for this game Saturday. Hopefully the weather holds up and they've got to kind of try to build on this, on this momentum they found here. Yeah. I think they're going to have 60,000 again. Uh, and, and these fans now have, they've seen some tangible success, some real uh, something they can hold on to and be excited about, not just a close loss. So I think that, I think that will impact the support and the crowd, even though it's 11 AM, we all know that nobody, the fans don't like those early starts. Um, but, uh, I, I just think this is a winnable setup for Missouri, the way it's playing right now. And they really, there's a talk to players and the veteran players who've been around for a while. This game means something to them. You know, they, like I said, Kentucky's won six of seven now, for the, for the veterans who have been around, they were part of some of them. They were part of that 2020 win in Columbia during the COVID season, but I can't remember who it was. It might've been Barrett Bannister. He made a good point the other day. He's like, half this roster, though, hasn't even played Kentucky or beaten Kentucky because of all the transfers, and you've got freshmen that have, that have come on board. Uh, but a few of the guys that have been around for a lot of those games and uh, those losses, Martez Manuel especially, senior safety, really talk about this game and this matchup like it's a rivalry game now. Now, I don't know if anybody in Kentucky would agree with that, but Martez, and it's it's kind of mysterious. He says it's very personal with him in Kentucky. I don't know if it had something to do with recruiting or or what. Uh, but he said this game means more to him as a rivalry than Arkansas does. Uh, and I, you kind of get that feeling. You asked a few other players that, and they they sort of agreed. They're tired of losing to these guys, and it is a bit of a measuring stick game for Missouri's program, and really for Kentucky's too. When whoever wins this game, I did this story last year. They they almost always end up finishing higher in the standings because the programs have been pretty close. Uh, but Kentucky's went on a run there for a while and, until Missouri beat them two years ago. Then they beat them again last year. And th th I think the part that adds intrigue to it, the games are always pretty competitive uh, down to the wire. They've had some funky endings. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had a vision of, of Jim, Jim Sturt cursing in the, uh, in the oh, end yeah. zone there when you said 17 game was kind of controversial too. Missouri had to like try to hurry up to get a score and the official remember he wasn't very helpful with giving the ball back and uh, uh Josh Allen the great edge rusher for the Jacksonville Jaguars I think that's where he plays still knocked the ball out of Jamon Moore's hand as they were trying to get set up um actually Barrett Bannister this week he referenced that play 
And it was funny because he was looking right at me because I think he knew I was the only person in the room besides him that was actually there that day because there's been so much turnover, not just at Mizzou, but with the, with the young media core too. So it was kind of funny that he remembered that from five years ago. Uh, but that's just how this series has gone. And, you know, I, I expect this game to be close, competitive again. It'll be physical, led by their defenses. Uh, it looked like one of those games where you're not going to get a lot of possessions. And, if, and when you do, you better not turn it over. Because uh, bad offense in a game like this can really come back and haunt you. Because, you know, you might not get the ball back for a while. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is uh, – I, I thought Brady Cook took steps forward at South Carolina. And a lot of it, Dave, was just not making the back-breaking mistake. Yeah. And, and he's got to continue that trend. If he can, it gives him a much better shot. Kentucky is – and I like that the players are kind of – finally, it's like finally they're realizing that Kentucky's had their number. Yeah. I've been saying for seasons now, like Missouri has to stop kind of this idea that Kentucky is not good at football, that Kentucky is this basketball school. I mean, they there was a own they had their own fight at Kentucky this year between Mark Stoops and John Calipari about Calipari calling it a, a basketball school, which right. it is. But Mark Stoops' point was like we've accomplished a lot in football, and he really has, you know, fans of Gary Pinkle can appreciate what Stoops has done at Kentucky. He has, he has brought the floor way up, and the ceiling is is never going to be as high as you want it. You keep trying to punch through it. They had a better chance of doing that last year than it appears they have this year, but their floor is way up, and I think it's taken maybe a while for Missouri to, to realize that, that they're really solid and really good, and um, you know, and, and their bad years aren't all that bad. And that's the sign of a kind of a sustainable program there, so – I agree. It's going to be about minimizing mistakes and may the best defense win. And maybe the defense that finds a way to score ends up winning this game. So I hope that uh, Blake Baker didn't sign his new contract extension and, and take the rest of the week off. I, I doubt that he, uh, I doubt that he did, but I, I think it speaks to how good Missouri's defense is playing Dave, that Missouri steps up, makes a proactive move. I compliment them for doing it saying our defense is playing so well that we are not going to give other SEC or top 10 teams time or fodder to try to come poach our defensive coordinator. This is the third defensive coordinator they've had in three years. One of the X ones is doing a great job at Illinois and Ryan Walters. That doesn't get talked about a lot because Blake Baker's doing such a good job, right. but he was underpaid. You had the numbers making 40% of what Barry Odom was making at Arkansas. So credit to Mizzou for, for not getting itself in a spot where they're running to Blake Baker after you know, Auburn or, or some other program tries to, tries to double his salary. Mizzou says, no, we like what you're doing. We don't want there to be any distraction. Let's lock you in and, and make it way less likely that someone's going to come hire him to do the same job somewhere else. Now, if he wants to get a head coaching job and that's in his heart and he gets that opportunity, you got to say, hey, thanks for everything you've done. Good luck. I mean, Josh Heupel left to go be a head coach, okay? He wasn't going to get that opportunity at that time at Mizzou. So you right. don't, you know, you can't compete with an opportunity that you can't give, but you've got to be able to compete and win, keeping the people you want from getting the same role elsewhere just for more money. And I thought Mizzou made a proactive step to try to get in front of that, if if it, if that was the, the the hope of other teams this yeah. off season. Yeah, if if you're if you're listening to this now and you don't know what we're talking about, so we're recording this on Thursday, Wednesday night on his radio show, Eli Drinkwitz, uh, teed up by the great Mike Kelly. Uh, to talk about Blake Baker, the defense, uh, Eli made it very clear that 
in the next 24 hours, he expected some really good news on Blake Baker's contract situation. I, I checked with sources later on in the evening and was able to report that, yes, he's uh, agreed in principle to a, a multi-year contract. They are going to boost his salary to $1 million or just over. He was making 600000 this year. He was set to make 700000 in 2023. And, um, you know, that is that's very below the standard for an SEC coordinator. And part of that is because they already had him last year as the safeties coach, or I should say last off season, they hired him as the safeties coach and then Steve Wilkes leaves. So they naturally just promoted him to coordinator, but they didn't have to, they didn't have to lure him with a whole bunch of money because he was already on the staff. So they did give him a little bit of a bump. Uh, and I think the expectation was, okay, if this is a really good year on defense and they want to keep him, they're going to have to pay him, you know, at least closer to the SEC going rate. And they are going to do that. I know what I don't think they expected was the defense would be this good, that it would make such a uh, improvement that they felt they had to do this in week eight of the season. But again, credit Missouri, Eli Drinkwitz, uh, Desiree Francois, the, the board for being proactive. Like you said, I can't recall them ever giving a contract extension to an assistant coach in the middle of a season. Um, now, if somebody else comes with more money, like you said, after the regular season is over, hey, at least Missouri stepped forward first and is not reacting. They are being proactive. You know, I was told that their goal was to make him, put him among the top 20 paid defensive coordinators in college football. For If you're Missouri, that's, that's a pretty ambitious plan um, and a pretty ambitious goal. Now, also remember, keep in mind, and this is important, Missouri doesn't pay an offensive coordinator. So they, they've got the, the money, staff salary pool, to be able to pay good money for a defensive coordinator. Uh, that's part of, I guess, the advantage of having an, a head coach who calls plays and you don't need to hire a coordinator. Now, we'll see. Remember, Eli talked about he's open to maybe doing that in the offseason. Uh, but they should have the money. You know, the, the bigger crowds they've had this year, SEC revenue is going to go up. They'll have some bowl revenue if they win two more games. Uh, so I think the money is not the the uh, money is not the big story here. It is the ambition. It's being proactive and the, wanting to not have a fourth coordinator in four years like they would have if they lose Blake Baker. And I, I think it's also if you're Blake Baker, okay, what is your how do you process this? You mm -hmm. came to Missouri. They gave you an opportunity as the safeties coach. They trusted you to promote you. And then without you having to leverage them for more, they come and say, you're doing a great job. We're going to bump you up and make you a top 20 defensive coordinator. So that hits a little different than if Auburn or someone else comes to come get him, he might have, have any more reasons to stay at Mizzou. This is the team that invested in me. This is the team that trusted in me. You know, he's got a relationship with Eli Drinkwitz and he would have to start over with a new head coach. So I do think that gives you a much better chance, even if maybe a bigger offer comes of, of saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to stay here. Um, yeah. So that that's a that's a smart move by Mizzou. And it doesn't mean that the defense is going to be automatically this good forever. They've got right. some guys leaving this defense that, you know, some transfers who might immediately go to the NFL. They've got some underclassmen who might go to the NFL. But I think we've seen enough of Blake Baker to say this guy's this guy knows what he's doing. Yep. And it the turnstile of defensive coordinators in Columbia is part of the reason this team has been not not hitting on all cylinders under Eli Drinkwitz's time. So to get that locked in to a spot where it should stay at least multiple seasons is really good. And I applaud Mizzou for doing that because too often you feel like the Tigers are chasing the conversation instead of right. leading it. So that's a smart move. And it's one of the things that I kind of thought was important for Eli to show that 
he's making the right calls and the right moves and getting what he needs to to have a, a bigger, better year four. Um, and and to get that done before the season ends is is impressive. Now, no one should pull their hair out if Mizzou goes and gives a ton of yards and a ton of points to Tennessee later because that's every team country's right, doing right. that. So you know, keep some perspective about it. But I thought that was uh, I thought that was proactive, and I think this team, Dave. Uh, at the risk of sounding like I'm uh, like I'm on the bandwagon here too much because, you know, we can get off track pretty quick. I think they're in a good spot to finish this year strong, and that should really, you know, provide them some momentum rolling into what should be Eli's bigger, better year four. Um, yeah, absolutely. Part of that's absolutely. a win against Kentucky. You got to take care of business here, and you've won. I said – I think I said you got to win – you got to win one of these games. Well, now I'm getting greedy. They, they need to win two. Yeah, yeah. And I'll be interested to see how the Lock and Baker up. Uh, impacts recruiting because yeah they might have some holes to fill with the transfer portal on defense but now you've got you you know who your coordinator is and you've made a commitment to him and that should help you you know last offseason they had kind of the murky situation Wilkes was coming back but was he really coming back and um, then you hire Baker what he's just a safeties coach so that they are in position to lead from the, the the ahead now instead of being behind in in the in the race for adding more players. So it, it how much does Hopper way. alone help transfer recruiting? Yeah. I mean, here's a guy who went from Florida to Mizzou and he's going to NFL teams have to be drooling over this guy. He's playing, you know, more opportunity, a leadership role at an sec team. I mean, if you're the fourth string, third string linebacker at Alabama, don't right. you maybe pay attention to that, Dave? I mean, I would. Right. Okay. I can go from Alabama where I play one out of every 10 snaps to maybe going to Mizzou, spending one season as the guy, and then uh, go on to the NFL. I mean, I don't know. I, I think if I'm Blake Baker and Eli Drinkwitz, I'm really shopping Hopper as a guy that, hey, why not be the next one of these guys? And I think, sure. I think there's a real weapon there if you're doing it at the SEC level. Yeah. So D lineman too. I mean, the guy, Christian Williams from Oregon, um, you know, he's played really well. Joseph Charleston for Clemson safety. You know, he, he, he started, played at Clemson, but now he's – He's uh, really rounding into a really good, you know, every down player. So, yeah, they've got a lot of examples. And I, I think when you hit the portal as well as they did last offseason, that should inspire some hope that they can do it again if they have to, even if it's now on the on the other side of the ball a little bit more so. Some positive vibes for Mizzou football. We'll see if they can keep them rolling Saturday. We'll have full coverage at stltoday.com and the pages of the Post-Dispatch. Also, getting off the ground, Davis Hoops, you had a chance to – kind of check out this basketball team. Um, they got a, they have an exhibition this evening. We're recording this on a Thursday against Wash U. And the season will be here before we know it. What are your kind of some first impressions of this, of this first edition of Dennis Gates basketball? He's got a full roster. He's got a really unique blend of players, Dave. Some guys he brought with him from Cleveland State some guys that he's brought from high major transfer level. He's got some young freshmen, including Aiden Shaw, who they did a great job of getting to stay in the fold after, after the coaching change. You got a really, some really intriguing transfer up guys, none more fascinating than Isaiah Mosley, who really turned, turned the, the Valley on its head. It's just kind of a walking bucket type guy. Um, when he's hot, he's hot. When he's cold, he still shoots. That was the reputation at Missouri state, but they haven't had a guy who can kind of get a bucket from anywhere that 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 lead scorer type automatically in a while. Um, can he fulfill that role? Are expectations too high, or is he going to be the star that Missouri needs him to be? 
Yeah, it's it's a really interesting mix of players that they've added. You know, they bring back Kobe Brown, who's a, you know, first, second team, all SEC guy, and he looks completely different. His body does. I mean, he he had a lot of baby fat when he came to Missouri, and then they kind of built him up to be more of a power forward who played some on the perimeter. Well, now he's like – he is a trim, cut perimeter guy who just happens to still have the bulk – and strength of a, of a big man. So I'm interested to see what happens with him, but then all the newcomers, you've got, you've got the guys who know the system, know the language, know the coach who came from Cleveland state, Demoy Hodge and Trey Gomillion, especially those are the guys who are going to be in the rotation. Then a couple of walk-ons too. Um, then you, then you go out and get these other mid-major sort of reinforcements who I think can play a lot of minutes and, and trans, they're transferring up a level, but I, I think it's a natural move up. Noah Carter from Northern Iowa, he's a guy to watch. Another, kind of like Kobe Brown, he's, a, he's got a, a, a bigger forward size, but he's got perimeter skills. Obviously, you mentioned Mosley. He was the big catch back in June, uh, a 20-point scorer, a guy who shoots and scores really well and efficiently from all three levels, you know, at the hoop, mid-range, from three. Um, you know, he's a guy that, comes with the reputation of not being the best defensive player, but he seems to know that. And he said, that's what he worked on all off season. Cause that's, that's, he's not going to play heavy minutes unless he, he defends well and does all the toughness things that you're going to be required to do. So he's obviously a huge, huge piece of this team. Uh, and then, you know, the point guards, I, they've got yeah. two of them. They've, guys. Got, they've got Nick honor from Clemson. And then they've yeah. got John East from junior college. who was the national junior college player of the year. They're going to play them both at the same time. Um, They'll also kind of trade off and, and, and run the point. Uh, Dennis is really big on high assist to turnover ratio, and he believes both of those guys, you know, they have – that's been a quality of theirs heading into the season and thinks that will continue here. And I know fans are going to roll their eyes when they hear this because Conzo talked about this and it never really materialized, the idea of positionless basketball. But I do think it is – and it, it was brought up by players at current Missouri players – the other day and I do think it will apply a little bit more to this team because Kobe Brown is a guy who he he told me you're you're not going to see me with my back to the basket hardly anymore I'm going to play out on the perimeter but he's also going to be the biggest guy on the floor a lot and he's going to on defense he will guard the other team's big man but on offense they're going to spread it out and they're going to move guys around and they'll have multiple point guards on the floor they'll have uh, guys like Kobe Brown can bring the ball up the floor uh, and maybe initiate the offense so I think it will be a little bit more of that um, versatile type rotations and lineups that Conzo kind of talked about at times having, but never really fully committed to. And part of that, just, he didn't have the players that could play that, but I think they do have that now. Now will it work? Will they shoot the ball? Well, will they be great defensively? Will they have some deficiencies inside on defense? Possibly. I mean, there's, there's some things we don't know yet about this team, but there's a lot of energy. You watch practice and man, it seems like this is a group that's been around together for a lot. And I think that's, the important part of bringing in players who have been in this program before. And even some of the walk-ons, I mean, those guys, they bring it in practice. So it was, it was kind of refreshing to see. And uh, we'll, we'll see if it translates on the floor. I mean, having some guys who know the drills, know what the coach expects, speak the language, whether they play a ton or not, that can be really move you far down the line and, and getting right. people on the same page. And, how a team with a bunch of guys who haven't played together comes together is going to be the key of the non-conference. That's what we're going to be watching. And it, it's not the worst thing in the world that they don't have the hardest non-conference schedule. Yeah. Uh, because you're going to, if you're Dennis Gates and you're making this schedule, you're trying to balance 
continuing to build excitement with getting to where you want to be by the time conference play shows up. Right. So, it, and you know, you got to play, obviously, Illinois and Kansas. Those are the huge games. But they do have some kind of sneaky and interesting games in this non-conference. You've got Iowa State. You've got Wichita. You've got UCF in there. Um, you know, there's some there's some teams there that that could be fascinating. Penn, probably not one that a lot of people look at, but could be kind of an interesting game there as well. So we're going to learn a lot about how this group starts to form, who's going to be the starter, who maybe he plays them in kind of in shifts. Um, he might play a pretty deep rotation until conference play gets here to kind of figure out what he's got and who plays well together. So I do kind of sense the the excitement there and we're going to learn a lot of new names and, and learn a lot of new players. And that's, that's part of the, the interesting part of this. So It'll be get to know the coach. It'll be get to know the team. What's a fair expectation for this team, Dave? It feels a little high to ask them to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah. But, uh, if they can be if they can be in the bubble conversation, I, I think that's a that's a solid thing. And then you expect bigger and better things soon after that. What makes it hard to project this team is they play in a league that has a lot of teams like Missouri. You know, there's right. six new coaches in the 14 team SEC, so you've got a lot of rebuilding and reshuffling. Uh, just talking to the staff, I mean, they look at it like there's four heavyweights in the SEC right now, and that's obviously Kentucky, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Auburn. And then Alabama is right there on the fringe and probably Texas A&M because they bring everybody back. Yeah, pretty I'd say team. five. I'd say top five. Five and a half maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, and after that, it is – it's six through 14. And I put South Carolina 14 for sure. They are very down on them, down in Columbia, just visiting there last week. I mean, that, I talked to some folks that think – not people at the university, but people that cover the university think they could actually go winless in the SEC. So let's say five or six through 13, It's it could be, you know, it's like throwing darts at a dartboard. You have no idea with a blindfold on because there's so much, so many rebuilds going on. So Missouri thinks if things go right, if guys click into the, to the right roles, if the guys going up a level um, are not overwhelmed by the, by the competition and they make a smooth transition, then they can be right in that second tier. And if you're in that second tier in a power conference, then you've got a chance to, um, maybe hear your name on Selection Sunday, or at least be in the mix and be playing really relevant games in late February to try to get in. So we'll see. I mean, the good part about their non-conference schedule is they should have a bunch of wins, and then the tough games will help their resume, even if you lose. If you lose to Kansas or Illinois, it's not going to sink your season because those are good teams, and it will help your strength of schedule. And then you'll balance them out with what you hope is a bunch of wins against these these first seven or so opponents. I'm going to put this out there and maybe people will think this is being negative. I don't think so. I think it's being realistic and perhaps optimistically realistic. I think it would be cool if this team could get to the NIT and do something in it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that could be kind of a, an expectation and then expect that that's going to be propel them into what comes forward. And, right. and, and as he continues to recruit, develop these guys that he's got, that, that feels like the right kind of fit for this team. And I think what you want is you want excitement to be something that it'll be there to start. You want it to build. You want it to build as this season goes along. And, and, and we'll see we'll see if they're able to do that. He's been impressive. I like the different buckets that he pulled from to build this team. Some yeah. guys who've been there and done that. Some guys who are hungry to prove they can do it at this level. Some guys who are highly ranked in the JUCO ranks who have paid their dues down there. And then some young guys who are going to have to grow forward in this program. And I think it's impressive. And you mentioned Kobe. I want to specifically mention him. 
he is the easiest guy on this team to overlook, and I wouldn't overlook him yeah. because he's the guy that everybody knows. And what do we do? We worry about the new guys and the guys we haven't seen before. Kobe Brown has gotten better every single season that he's been at Mizzou, and now it's finally time for him to show that as a senior. And here's the thing. He was miscast last season as the star. That's not who he is. But yeah. if you give some other weapons around him and you put him in a spot where you're not making him the face of the team all the time, I think he can do some dangerous things. If you look at his numbers, rebounding, field goal percentage, points per game, minutes per game, everything has gone up a significant chunk every season. These are the guys who college basketball used to lean on. These fourth-year right. guys who have developed, and, and that's where he is now. Sometimes a new coach, Dave, unlocks something in a player and the way they coach or the system they run that allows them to do things they didn't even know they were capable of. I've seen it happen before, and that, that Kobe stuck around. Um, I, I think that, that he's a guy that we should we should point out could have a, a pretty big season for this team in a new role, in a new direction. So excited yep. to see basketball get going here. Football's in a a better spot than they were two weeks ago. We'll see if they can continue that positivity. And congratulations to uh, Blake Baker for for getting the bag, man. He he earned it. We'll have full coverage at stltoday.com of all of the Mizzou football and basketball action. Check out Dave Matters Reads there, and we'll have a new podcast next week catching up on the Kentucky game and where the Tigers go from here. For Dave, I'm Ben. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. Enjoy the game. (laughs) 